0: Hey, everybody. Happy New Year. It didn't sound real exciting. I don't know. How many of you were here at Christmas Eve service? How many of you thought it was like, oh, my goodness, it was amazing, right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That was an awesome service. And um, Randy talked that service about what's coming here for the new year six, uh, a message series, six Sundays starting next Sunday, not today, sorry, but he's going to kick off a new message series next week. And we just cannot encourage you strongly enough to hang in there with us all six Sundays as we ask just one of the most important questions we can ever ask in this life. I wonder if it's good for me. I wonder if it's good for me. And folks, we really believe that this series has the potential to be the most significant and life-changing message series that many of you have ever experienced before. So come back next Sunday as Randy kicks off the new message series and bring someone along with you too. Okay, it's going to be a good one. I wonder if it's good for me. But today, here we are on the eve of yet another year, 2018. And we have yet another opportunity to kind of turn a new leaf, you know, to get a fresh start. So tell me, who here makes New Year's resolutions? Raise your hand. Two of you, okay. (laughs) Maybe four, I'm not sure. Who's like, I don't make New Year's resolutions. Oh my goodness, the hands go up. Well, why not? I mean, why not? Because failure is inevitable, right? And we really don't like how failure feels. I mean, for me, I'm kind of like this, this lady here. This is my idea. This is a list of all my New Year's resolutions I actually think can happen. Right there, that's me. Maybe you're like this, this guy, or woman. Well, 2009, okay, so it started with lose weight and then it was lose weight again and then lose more weight, uh, get fit next year. Uh, oh, and Dad, I like the one, stand up to the boss, find job. Be nicer to my wife. Be nicer to my ex wife. Try to be nicer to my ex wife. That's, uh, sort out the junk in the shed. Sort out junk in life. Wow. Yeah. I think this final one, I think this is the person who's really onto something here, though. I'm opening a gym called Resolutions. It will have exercise equipment for the first two weeks, and then it will turn into a bar for the rest of the year. I think they're onto something. Brilliant, right? I mean, come on. Has anyone ever actually made a New Year's resolution that they kept? Is it really even possible? Well, apparently, 8% of those who uh, make resolutions, it is possible for them. 8%. That Research indicates that that's, uh, indicates that those of us who make New Year's resolutions, 8% achieve their goal, while 92% give up. And usually we give up within just a couple weeks. I mean, no wonder we don't make New Year's resolutions, right? With those kind of statistics, why bother? Why bother? I mean, why should this year be any different than all the rest? And yet, even those of us who don't make them, there's something, there's something in us that wants to You know, if if we were guaranteed success, we wouldn't hesitate to make one or more New Year's resolutions, would we? We wouldn't even hesitate. Because the truth is this. We desire to be better. We desire to be better. I mean, we look in in the mirror and we think, oh, oh my, I could definitely be better, you know? We look at our bank account and, and our budget, and we think, oh, this could definitely be better, you know? And then we ponder our relationships, maybe our marriage, and we think, man, I wish things were better. And then we take another, another gaze into the mirror, but this time we look more deeply, you know. We kind of consider the, the condition of our hearts and our minds, of our souls, the internal, you know, who it is that we are and who it is that we're becoming. And, and we admit to ourselves, surely, surely I can be better. I want to be a better person. There's a better version of me. There's a better version of my relationships, of my life. I know there is, and I want it. I just can't seem to find it. One study in New Year's resolutions, a psychology professor uh, from the University of Toronto, his name's Peter Herman, and he says that he and his colleagues have identified what they call the false hope syndrome. He says that the problem in keeping resolutions is that their resolution is significantly unrealistic and out of alignment with their internal view of themselves. He said the problem is that people are making positive affirmations about themselves that they don't really believe. Here's the thing. You know, just because we don't really believe something is possible doesn't mean that it's not. You see, here's what I believe. I believe that the desire that we have for a better version of ourselves and of our lives, I think it's actually pointing us to something. It's pointing us to our potential. Our desire for better, it's telling us that we have the potential to be better. That's why we desire it. And the reason I believe this is because the one who made us says so. His word tells us that a better version of us really is possible. We all have the potential to be better. Every single one of us sitting here today. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this. It says, if anyone is in Christ, and in Christ means that we've returned to Christ, our creator in trust. We've put our faith in him and we want to follow him. That's what it means to be in Christ. And he says, if anyone is in Christ, they've done that, they've returned to him. The new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All of this is a gift from our Creator God who has pursued us and brought us into a restored and healthy relationship with Him through the anointed, speaking of Jesus. And then 2 Corinthians 3.18, it tells us what this new creation is capable of now. It says, As the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him, Jesus. Jesus. God says you and I do indeed have the potential to be better people, living better lives. We have the potential inside us to become just like Jesus himself, the one who created us, the most beautiful person to have ever walked on this planet. And I think the spirit of God is speaking here this morning and he's just saying, I know what you're capable of. I know, I know the person that you have the desire to be and I know the person that you have the potential to be. And I know the life that you have the potential to live and the things that you have the potential to do with your life. And I know because I made you. I made you and I'm at work in you to uncover and release this potential to be the person that I created you to be and do the things that I created you to do. And then in Galatians 5, it just gives us this little glimpse as to what is a better version of us in our lives, what it's like. It says the Holy Spirit produces a different kind of fruit in life in us unconditional love joy peace patience kind-heartedness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control I mean is there anything on that list that you wouldn't want any of those things You know, is there any of those things that you don't desire to experience and and to even become, that they would be descriptions of you? God says it's absolutely possible. You desire better because you have the potential to be better. And he wants to make you and me better. Do you know what the mission statement for FCF Church is, meaning it's just, it's our guiding force this is the mission this is what we want to accomplish as a church it's on the back wall of the lobby by the coffee it says we exist to help people reach their full redemptive potential in Christ there it is again in Christ you see we have huge potential to be better people living better lives but that potential it can only be reached with our creator when we have returned to him and and we make this faith decision that we choose to trust him and to follow him Jesus Christ and it's then that the spirit of the Lord is just able to work within us Colossians 1 it says this it says for in him and it's speaking of Jesus for in Jesus all things were created he's the creator things in heaven and on earth all things have been created through him and for him and in him all things hold together All things, all things, it it means me and my life. You see, I was created by Christ, and I was created for Christ. And in him, in a relationship of trust with him, my life is held together. In him and through him, I am able to reach my full redemptive potential, this better version, the best version of me and my life that there is. So what if? I mean, what if 2018? It really could be different this year. What if you could become one of the eight percent, and some of your potential was was uncovered and released over this year? What if you were able to find a, a new and better you? Just stop and imagine that for a moment, okay? Let, let, let's get real personal and real specific with this. I mean, just. Imagine a New Year's resolution, a new you resolution in which you are able to be one of the 8% that achieve your goal. What What might your life this time next year look like? Can you get a picture of that? I mean, what might your marriage look like? What might your family look like? What might you look like? What might your uh, credit card statements that come in the mail in your bank account look like? How might your mental and emotional well being, your, your, your inner self, your soul, how might it be different? How might your life and the lives of the people you love be different? Now, what's it going to take? What's it gonna take? What, What needs to change for this to happen? What's the resolution that will get this new you by the end of 2018? Let me suggest to you that whatever popped in your head, that perhaps the Spirit of God is nudging you saying, this is your 2018 construction project. Here it is. It's a project for the whole year. And it's one that God wants for you and it's one that he is more than willing to work on with you. But wait a second. What about that 92% give up rate? You know, why should I believe this year is going to be any different? Why should I think my desire for a better me won't get disrupted and derailed just like every other year? I mean, really, what's going to make this year any different? Well, perhaps we need to begin by examining some past resolutions and and kind of figure out where it is we've gone wrong. You know, where do we go wrong in this whole thing? Well, in a Psychology Today blog, there was a guy named Ray Williams, and he explains one of the ways that he says we go wrong. Let's look at what he says. He says, making resolutions work is essentially changing behaviors. In order to do that, you have to change your thinking and rewire your brain. Brain scientists have discovered through the use of MRIs that habitual behavior is created by thinking patterns that create neural pathways and memories which become the default basis for your behavior when faced with a choice or decision. Trying to change that default thinking by just not trying to do it, not trying to do it, in effect, it just strengthens. Change requires creating neural, new neural pathways from new thinking. Fascinating. Fascinating. You know why I find that so fascinating? I find it so fascinating because like some couple thousand years ago, before the technology to study the brain through things like MRIs, the Spirit of God inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words down. In Romans chapter 12 he said be transformed be changed how by the renewing of your mind because as the brain scientists today have discovered change requires creating new neural pathways from new thinking fascinating isn't it not only is it fascinating but is also incredibly helpful You see, if I want to change something in my life, something about me, I have to first change the way I think. If I don't change how I'm thinking, I'm sure to be one of the 92% who give up on becoming better. So if change is linked to new thinking, the, the big question in the room now is, what exactly am I supposed to think? You know? Give me the magic formula. Tell me what to think. Well, unfortunately... It's pretty specific and unique to each one of us. You know, how it is that we're already thinking and what our new you resolution is. Um, But could it be? Maybe there are a few things that might kind of touch some chords here. Some of the thought patterns that we do have that desperately need to change if we're gonna change. Something like that thought pattern says, "Ah, "It's not that big of a deal. It's not hurting anybody. Just this little thing I got over here. It's not that big of a deal. I can't help it. I'm this way. I can't help it. It's just just who I am. The problem is them. They're the problem. This relationship, if they would just, then everything would be okay. They're the problem. I'm never going to be able to change. This is as good as it gets. I've made a little bit of strides, but it just isn't going to happen. Or how about this? I'm just one big disappointment. Me and my whole life, I've disappointed person after person, year after year in my life. I'm even a disappointment to God. Just a few ways that our thinking might need to change. But as I said, it's personal to each one of us. I think you probably know those thought patterns that are destroying you. We each need to just kind of get alone with God. We need to ask him to show us, reveal to us, those negative thought patterns that need changing. But having said that, there is this one, there is this one way that I think all of us need to change when it comes to our thinking, renewing our minds. There is this one new way of thinking that we all need to embrace in order to become part of that 8%. But I'm not going to tell you what it is just yet. You got to hold on. We're going to get there, but not yet. So here's another way in which I think we go wrong. One, another way we go wrong is our plan for change is defective. It's defective. Do you know what the definition of resolution is according to Google? And we all know, of course, Google would have, right? So Google says this, resolution is a firm decision to do or not do something. Well, maybe that's the problem right there. You see, the definition itself causes our plan to be defective because Scripture tells us something different. Scripture says that what we actually need is a firm decision to do and not do some things. Subtle little change from or to and, but huge and significant. Ephesians 4 tells it like this. It explains it. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. The old self is just deteriorating. It's being corrupted by this, these desires we have that are they're deceitful. They trick us. You know They don't really bring us what we long for. And to be made new, how? In the attitude of your minds. There it is again. It starts with our thinking. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Put off and put on. They go together. Both are required for authentic change to occur. And you see, our plan for change is defective if we try to start new behaviors and habits without stopping old ones. It just doesn't work that way. I mean, let's say I decided to start eating healthy. Wouldn't it be great? Oh, I wish this were true. Wouldn't it be great if all I had to do was start eating vegetables and fruit, and I didn't have to stop eating potato chips and chocolate chip cookies? It would work. I mean, it would be so much easier, right, to follow through. But it doesn't work that way. And life change doesn't work that way. If I make a decision to get healthy, then I not only need to start exercising, but I need to stop eating donuts. If my resolution is to experience financial peace, then I not only need to start budgeting, but I also need to stop getting the big cart when I go to Walmart. That just gets us in trouble, doesn't it? Those carts are huge. And don't you just feel the need to fill it up? I do. Mm, mm, mm. Too often we try to start these new behaviors and habits without stopping old ones. And that's why Randy so often, and he reminds us what, what faith in Christ is really all about. What the Christian life is all about. When we trust and follow Christ, it means that we start doing some things and we stop doing some things. It's all about stopping and starting. We stop doing those things that Christ says in his words are destructive to our lives and our souls, maybe not immediately, but definitely long-term. And we stop because we're really trusting. You know, and we start doing the things that Christ says in his words are for our good, that will help us to reach our fullest potential. And, and, and we do this because we trust him. We believe that he really is a good father, who really does love us, and and he knows and he wants what's best for us. So you see, along with that construction project that we each have kind of hopefully identified, I'm pretty sure there needs to be a demolition project that happens at the same time. Construction and demolition. Start and stop. Put on, put off. So I've thrown a lot at you. Let's just kind of look at it in a real simple form to hopefully help you remember and, and we can figure out where we go from here. He said we see that we we said that we have these desires and they're pointing us to something. They're telling us that yes, I have the potential to be a better human being. And if we believe what God says about us and our potential, then we need to make a decision, resolution. But that decision, that resolution, it needs a plan. A plan to stop doing the thing that is keeping us from becoming this better version of ourselves. And a plan to start doing the thing that will promote um, us becoming a better version of ourselves. Reaching that full redemptive potential that we have in him. And so after putting that all together, there's there's just this one thing that's left. And unfortunately, it's the hardest thing of all. Hebrews 12.1, it says this. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, it just weighs us down, keeps us from moving forward. And then it says, let us run with, what's the word? Perseverance, the race marked out for us. Perseverance, ugh. You know what perseverance is? It's doing what you don't feel like doing over and over again. That's what perseverance means. If we have to, we wouldn't have to persevere if we didn't feel like doing it or not doing it, you know? So doing what you don't feel like doing over and over again, no wonder there's a 92% failure rate, right? I mean, it's really hard to keep on doing what you don't feel like doing, especially over and over again. And that's why there's one essential thing that we all need to become part of the 8%. There's this one thing that, that, that without it, we are sure to give up. Without this one thing, the whole cake is ruined. The whole cake is ruined. My mom, she used to make the absolute best red velvet cake, from scratch. Now, for all you young folks, from scratch means that there was no box involved, okay? And we always got a red velvet cake on our birthday every year, and let me tell you, it was delicious, like no other cake you could ever have. So as an adult, I decided I was going to make my mom's red velvet cake for a friend's shower. I don't remember if it was a wedding shower or a baby shower, I can't remember, doesn't really matter. So I got the recipe, I got all the ingredients that I needed, and, and I was good to go, you know. So I'm following her recipe along, and I'm adding and I'm mixing all the ingredients together. But at the end of the mixing, I realized, uh-oh, there was this one ingredient that I forgot to put in. Vinegar. And you can understand why I would forget to put that in. Who puts vinegar in a cake? But did you know that vinegar is a very important ingredient in red velvet cake? But not by itself, it actually has to be added at this precise time in the mixing process, with baking soda, and it actually makes this little reaction so forth. Well, I, I had forgot it once I realized it. I thought, eh, you know, I'll just, I'll just mix it in now. Couldn't make that big of a difference, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness, I could not have been more wrong. I mean, my cake, it looked beautiful like that picture, but I am not exaggerating when I say it was absolutely awful. <laughs> I mean, epic fail. It was not even edible. And matter of fact, I'd passed around the cake, you know, and and everybody was taking a bite. And then I saw the looks on their faces. (laughs) And they didn't know what to do because it was awful. And so they're like, you know, I can't spit it back out, but I can't swallow this either. And then I looked at their faces and I took a bite and I went, this is awful. I just grabbed up and I was like, apparently that vinegar at that certain point really matters. (laughs) Who knew? Who knew? But just like vinegar to red velvet cake, there's this one essential thing that we all need in order to become part of the 8%. So what is? What is this one essential, crucial, ever-important thing? Strength. We need stress. In order to persevere, to keep carrying on the plan for a better version of ourselves, we need strength, And you're like, duh, duh. But the thing is, it's not our own strength that we need. You see, our own strength will only get us so far and is not very far at all, you know? We need a different kind of strength from a different source outside of ourselves. And the Apostle Paul, he tells us clearly where his strength came from. In Philippians 4.13, he said, I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. What is, what is Paul able to do some things, a few things? He's able to do all things. And how is this so? It's through, through what? Through Christ. Well, why? What does Christ give him? He gives him strength. Strength. These words, they are just as true for you and me today as they were for Paul a couple thousand years ago. I mean, we too, me and you, we can do all things through Christ because he gives us the strength. Remember what we, we learned earlier about how change requires creating new neural pathways from new thinking? And I said that there was this one new way of thinking that we all need to embrace in order to become part of the 8% was Kenny Loggins sang in 1979, this is it, this is it. Make no mistake, don't be a fool anymore. This is it, change requires creating new neural pathways from new thinking. And if you and I are going to follow through this year on our plans, our resolutions for a better version of ourselves, I fully believe that this is the most significant new thought pattern that we need to embrace. We need to memorize it, and we need to meditate on this truth. And, and you see, meditate, it simply means to, to think about something over and over again, which scientists today have discovered We'll do what? We'll create neural pathways and literally, literally, physically rewire our brains, making actual, authentic change really possible. You see, I can do all things through Christ because he gives me the strength. I can stop those habits that are damaging and destroying my relationships, my family, my life, my very soul. I can stop. It's not a matter of just a little bit or I'm getting there or I'm trying, but, you know, I, I can't expect all of it. No, I can stop. I can stop the whole thing. I can be done with it. I really can through Christ who gives me strength. And I can start and I can keep on doing those things that will build and bless and heal myself, my soul, my family, the people that I love. I can, I can, I can, not my own, not by my own strength, But through Christ and the strength that he is willing and more than able to give me, I can. I can. Listen to these words from the Old Testament. The prophet Isaiah, he spoke of God's strength as well in the Old Testament. Those who trust in the Lord, they will find new strength, not a strength of their own, a strength that comes someplace else, a new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And later in chapter 41, don't be discouraged, for I'm your God, he spoke through the prophet Isaiah. I will strengthen you and help you. The strength we need to become among those 8%, become a better version of ourselves in 2018, it comes from our God. It comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And he promises, he's made a promise to give us the strength that we need. And that's why the apostle Paul in his letter to the church in Ephesus, he reminded them of this. He says, brothers and sisters, draw your strength and your might from God. Draw your strength and your might from God. So you see, we need to change the way that we think and we need to remind ourselves that we can do all things through Christ because he gives us strength. But then we need to also actively draw, draw our strength from him. There's something we need to do to get this strength. So how do we do that? I'm going to leave you with the two most important ways, I think, that we draw the strength that we need from Christ. There's probably a number of ways, but I think these are the two big ones. You might want to write this down. This is really important, okay? One is FaceTime, and the other is rolling with weirdos. <laughs> write that down so you don't forget it. Because these are the two primary ways that we draw strength from Christ, FaceTime and rolling with weirdos. And they're both simply about the basics of the Christian life. FaceTime is simply about having that daily one-on-one time with Christ. Just me, me and Jesus. And folks, there truly is nothing else that will strengthen us more than that just precious daily time of stopping and sitting with our creator, our good father, and just allowing him to speak to us through his word. And then us pouring our hearts out and talking to him through prayer. There's just nothing else that can take the place of that and provide us with the encouragement, the guidance, the comfort, the wisdom, the hope, and the strength that Christ gives us in these times alone with him. Nothing can compare. And it's a a cumulative effect. You know, it's as we keep coming, he just fills our bucket, just more and more strength, and and we've got this reserve then that we need for life. But the problem is that it's so easy just to abandon this ever-important practice I mean, like any relationship, we kind of draw near at times, and and then we drift away, don't we? And we allow our to-do list, and we allow life's demands and stresses to just kind of steal away our time and our attention. Away from the very source of our strength that we need to handle life's demands and stresses. I mean, you ever go through that, like, I'm just too busy. I just gotta get, I don't have time to stop and, you know, read God's Word and pray today. But the very thing I need to do so that I can deal with all that's on my plate today is this time with Him. And yet I give it up and try to go in my own strength through the day. I read this on crosswalk.com just this week. So maybe our problem isn't an increase in stress, but a decrease in strength. You know, I think when our, our, bucket of strength is getting lower and lower, we probably don't have any more stresses than we had, it just feels like it. We feel like the stress is increasing when, when the problem is that the strength is decreased. And that's what we really need is to increase our strength. And he'll, he'll help us to deal with ever stresses and demands come our way. And I'll bet, I'll bet you anything, <clears throat> almost all of us here, we'd admit that we're well aware of that direct correlation between our strength level and our face time with God, we know it, don't we? Direct correlation between the two. I can do all things through Christ because He gives me strength. But it's not—it's not like a genie in the bottle kind of thing that I can just call upon. You know, it's not like I just go through my day, ignore God, and say, "Hey, hey, I need some strength. Hey, hey, you, what? hey, hey, let me get your attention. I need some strength right now." It's not what it's about. It's about drawing strength from him by being with him every single day, listening to him speak to us through his word, and then us pouring out our hearts to him through prayer. FaceTime, it's the primary way that we draw our strength from Christ, that he gives it to us what we need. And rolling with weirdos, well, it's a close second too, so I'm going to explain this one. Every semester, we encourage everyone to be part of a growth group here at FCF. And we talk about how circles are better than rows for being known, you know, for people to really know you and for you to really know people. And circles are better than rows for authentically growing and changing and developing. With this guy named Nils here at FCF, this past fall, he did just that. He signed up for one of our growth groups, Followers Foundation, our new discipleship program. And one evening, he was telling his group about how Christians, because of the way that we conduct ourselves, that we're seen as the weird ones in society. Did you all know that? We are. We're a little weird to everybody else. And then he went on to tell his group how he had been to some churches, and he said this. He said, talk about weirdos. Let me tell you, I've seen weird. And then he said, and then I came to FCF, and I decided, hey, if I'm going to roll with weirdos, I'm going to roll with these weirdos. Yeah, FCF weirdos, rolling, yeah, that's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, we're going to get t-shirts now that say FCF weirdos, roll with us. <laughs> write that down, somebody, back there, write that down. Oh, we got it on tape, we're going, rolling with weirdos. This is the other really important way that Christ strengthens us. And, and we're talking about connecting with others, uh, followers of Christ, or people on that journey moving toward Christ, at least, exploring not in circles, not in rows, you know, because you, you can't connect in a row. You, you can be friendly, you know, but, but you can't really connect with someone. Coming to church on Sunday mornings and sitting in a row, it's really, really important. I don't want to take anything away from that, but looking at the back of someone's head is not connecting, and you're not going to get the strength. You're not going to get nearly the amount of strength and the kind of strength that will get you, that you, you'll get by being in a circle, Sitting in a circle and connecting and getting to know other followers in a small group setting. You see, we draw strength from Christ in circles because it's in these smaller groups that we learn to do these kind of things. Encourage one another. Teach and admonish one another. Admonish means to lovingly correct. And and we're bold enough and we love each other enough to say, you know, not just, oh, if it makes you happy, whatever. No, we'll say, look. God's got something better planned for you. Don't go down that road. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You can do it, you can do it, you can do it. Pray for each other. It's these kind of one another relationships that give us strength. We will never have the strength we need for life, for a better version of ourselves by going it alone. We won't. So next week we start registration for our winter growth group semester. And obviously, I cannot stress enough how important it is for every single one of us to get into a group, to get out of the row and into a circle where you will be strengthened in a way that, trust me, you've never experienced before. And you'll be so glad you did. So if we're going to be part of the 8%, we need strength. Not our own, but a supernatural, divine strength that's totally available to us if we will daily FaceTime with Christ, our Creator, and if we'll get in a circle, a circle where we can roll with some weirdos, really will be for our good. In 1997, there was a, a man in Frankfurt, Germany, I read him about just in the last couple of weeks. He had reported his car as stolen to the police. This year, 2017, 20 years later, the authorities found his car. And the crazy thing is, is It isn't that they found the car, the crazy thing is that they discovered that the car hadn't been stolen, the man had just forgotten where he parked it. (laughs) It was found in in this garage in an old industrial building that was due to be demolished. And they said they actually took him there with his daughter, can you imagine, he's like, oh yeah, that's where I parked my car. (laughs) Now I remember. (laughs) Now I share that story, because I'll bet this is, what, this is what stuck with me as I read it. I bet some of us here today, we can remember the year that our life went missing. You know, the year that, that we thought our life was kind of stolen from us. Maybe it was 20 years ago, a long time. Maybe 10, maybe five, two. But there was that year just when things went really bad. When the person you thought you'd be and the life you thought you would have, it somehow went missing as if stolen from you. And you sit here today kind of feeling like, this is not what I had planned. This is not what I thought my life would be at this point. And I'm not who I thought I would be. I'm not the person that I thought I'd be at this point in my life. Well, I wholeheartedly believe that a loving a loving God and a really good Father, that he's here today to tell you that it is not too late. It's not too late. He is here to help you and me rediscover, to rediscover yourself and your life. It's not been stolen from you. He knows where to find it. He really does. There's a new and better version of you in your life that he wants to help you find this year in 2018. You know, the great Christian writer C.S. Lewis, he once said, You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Because you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And listen finally to these words more words from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Philippian church. He says, I am confident that the creator who has begun such a great work among you, who's begun such a great work in you, will not stop in mid-design, but he will keep perfecting you until the day Jesus, the anointed, our liberating king, returns to redeem the world. Our God and our loving father, he has not and he will not give up on us. So let's not give up either. Let's, let's be part of the 8% this year. Let's make this year the year that we make a plan and we persevere with Christ's strength working in us and we release a better version of ourselves and our lives in 2018. Anybody with me? Yeah? Then will you do this? Can we proclaim this together as a church? Let's proclaim these words together. Okay, here we go. I can do all things... Through Christ, because he gives me the strength. One more time. I can do all things through Christ because he gives me the strength. Hold on to that. Read it. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Say it. Put it in your mirror every single day. Create a new neural pathway. Rewire your brain this year. I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. Let's pray. God, how we thank you for that promise and your promise throughout scripture to always give us the strength we need. And so God, now I pray for each of us that we'll make a decision today, whatever that construction project is that popped in our head, we'll make the decision today and we will make the plan today or over this next week, whatever it may take that we'll stop doing those things that are destroying us and, 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 breaking down this better version of ourselves and we will start doing the things that are gonna heal and promote and build this new and better version. And God, we just, we pray for your strength to persevere all the way through it. And we thank you again for your promise. We thank you in advance for all that you're gonna do in this coming year, in us and through us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.